Welcome, everybody, to Ham. That's right. This is Ham. This is Heroes Asylum Midnight Movie Review. Ham. Ham? Hey, I like that. Ham? <laughs> I thought about that today. I was like, Ham, we we're, ham. we're we, doing we Ham. and Ham. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, this is the Heroes Asylum Midnight Movies Review Show. And, uh, of course, I do this always with Kane. And, or actually, Kane does this with me since this is his show. He's let me host it tonight. Uh, and we're going to be doing a 19 – oh, no, 2001. Wasn't that 2001? Yeah, it was 2001. 2001 Steven Spielberg slash Stanley Kubrick movie AI Artificial Intelligence. Yep. And I believe – was this Haley Joe Osmond's – Second movie? No, he, he was. He, no, he was in Forrest Gump because he was young Forrest. Or no, he no, was he, young Forrest. No, he wasn't. You sure he was? Like, no, no, he wasn't oh, young Forrest, but he was else. in Forrest Gump. Uh, he was playing. Um, who? Who? He was in Forrest Gump. Oh, maybe he was. was yeah, he? yeah. I think. He, I think he was. Yeah, hold on. I believe he was the young Forrest. Actually, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, he was. He was Forrest's son. Okay, so he did that, and then he did Six Cents after that, right? Yeah, Sense yeah. I believe that, that. Yeah, that was his big breakout. I see, I see dead people. Yeah, Forrest Gump, Mixed Nuts, Bogus, and then Sixth Sense, and uh, yeah, and then this one was like his next big one, I think. So, uh, so yeah, this is a um, yeah, this is an interesting movie. <laughs> this one will be fun to do. Uh, it came out. Uh, it was based off of a book actually that was uh, Super Toys. Last all summer long it was the name of the of the short book. Uh, science fiction short book, a story by uh, Brian uh, Aldis. And actually, I got a chance to read it uh, before I watched the movie. And so I could kind of prep myself as to I, I know it's kind of bad to compare movies and books together or against each other. Mm-hmm. And so I um, I think that was maybe bad, bad of me. So when I watch it, because I didn't see this movie until now. Um, and I know you said you had seen it before, right? Yeah, I, I saw it before, like you know, three years ago, and then for prep for today, I, I saw we saw it again last night. So you didn't see it either when it first rolled out. No, no, no. Really? No. Okay. I, see. Yeah. No, no. It, it was one of those movies I caught later. You know, it's kind of like a thing you see a movie come out in the theaters, and like, hey, I'm gonna go see it, but you don't. Yeah, it was nothing like that. Because I think this was during the time uh, Hollywood was doing their robot human movies. Yep. If I remember correctly, because I think you also had Bicentennial Man, which I loved Bicentennial Man. Uh, you know, it was an amazing movie. Uh, Robert Williams did a great job on that one. Freaky movie too. Freaky, yeah, a little bit freaky, but a uh, little freaky, man. But yeah, but definitely some. I, uh, was it iRobot came a couple years after that, or was it before iRobot was years years later? I think oh, iRobot okay. was I, like. I'm trying to think like. But yeah, that yeah, I think iRobot was later on. I think that was you know that was during the Will Smith Assance when he first he, came out. And uh, I think that was like 2010, 2009. So yeah, I'm thinking sure? at least I think yeah. Was, I think it was. Hmm. If I remember, I'm just trying to go off my you know my my memory here. And we I was know. trying to do I don't know more jotting down ideas for reviews. Like AI was the one of the movies that popped in. Yeah, 2004 it? actually was when that one came out. So three years okay, later, so, yeah. So so it was kind of like the. Uh, it's probably at the tail end of the robot assance or the uh, the, 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 the robot, robot movies. That were coming AI out. Songs. Now, this movie did uh, – what the film was nominated for two Academy Awards uh, at the 75th Academy Awards for Best Spe- Visual Effects, which hands down, yes, yeah. amazing special effects on this movie. And uh, Best Original Score for Mr. John Williams, who you know just keeps racking them up here at the asylum mm-hmm. for, yeah. for that. Uh, and then like I said, it was a Stanley Kubrick slash Spielberg movie. Kubrick started working on the movie for decades. 
uh, I think almost uh, two, uh, 20 years he'd been working on it, but he didn't want to do it and because he felt the technology wasn't there to do to do his story justice, to do what he wanted that boy to be. Uh, but funny, at, at the end, it, it ended up being played by a real actor, you know, real-life yeah. human. Uh, figure. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started on the movie. Go ahead and play the quick trailer for you guys. So that way, uh, for those of you that haven't seen it in a while, you can kind of – be uh, get a quick uh, remembery of or remembrance of it. So here we go. When's your birthday? I never had a birthday. His name is David. I feel it. That's creepy. Whoa, that's so real. <laughs> <laughs> distant future, in an age of intelligent machines. He is the first robotic child programmed to love and coexist as a member of a family. His is a tale of humanity and a journey to find his place among humans and machines. I'm a boy. You are a real boy. At least as real as I've ever made one. Oh, I guess it just dropped off. Sorry about that, guys. I thought it was a little bit longer. So that is the trailer for it. There was a little bit more music behind it. I think it just cut off quicker than I thought. So that is the trailer for AI. And uh, so we're going to jump into the review of it. So let's see. Uh, we got the plot going here. Uh, starting on – it says it's in the uh, 22nd century. Uh, rising sea levels and global warming, widespread coastal uh, out of uh, wiped out most of the coastal cities, uh, reducing the world's population. Uh, and uh, mecha humanoid robots, seemingly capable of complex thought but lacking in emotions, have been created. So basically, it's a post-apocalyptic movie, and I gotta tell you, uh, probably the most advanced post-apocalyptic movie I think I've ever seen. Not very Mad Max. No, not <laughs> it. Is. I mean, like the cars and everything, like the living situations, like you'll see David's adopted family when we get there, the house, like just very, I don't know what the word is. I mean, okay, I'm going to give you an example. Do you remember the um, TV show Future Man? There was an episode they had where they're breaking into, um, whose house is it? Oh, it was uh, James, James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah, my James favorite. Ep- yeah, my favorite part. Yeah. The, the house looked like a James Cameron type of house. Like where everything is like very voice activated and just like very the nuance and very almost ocular in structure with everything. And I was like, okay, this is a very – the prettiest, most apocalyptic type movie I've ever seen in my life. It reminded me very much – and you already mentioned the movie, iRobot. Like the even the, the cars, how the cars were designed, just the overall aesthetic of the mm. world. Yes, it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic. We eventually do see those things later on in the movie. But yeah, when I, when I heard the – story of what we you know catching us up to the current world i was like well this is kind of pretty for a post-apocalyptic world i mean i'd know most of them are like you said i don't very not very mad maxi yeah yeah and that's the first thing you think about when you think post-apocalyptic yeah you know it's it, even in um uh what was the other movie that, that we that we liked a lot was um oh Spielberg did it a couple of years ago uh, uh the one that you read the book about and became a movie you know what I'm talking about? God, I have just a few of those, man. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I, I, 
man, it's, it's escaping me. But I, I it's um okay, so uh, okay, I, I forget it. Anyway, um, he, he has a oh, you're, oh, you're talking about uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Ready okay, One. sorry. I was gonna say you could tell this is a Spielberg type movie because the way everything is not only shot but like you know like you that's that's one weird area i think you might be questioning yourself watch it and but compare it to kubrick kubrick oh, a no lot way. of the scenes are shot a la kubrick style but the thing that's lacking in it the mm. one thing spielberg's great at copying what kubrick did and i'm not saying spielberg copies people at all but in this one he was trying to play pay homage to to kubrick or kubrick because he you know he wanted to make this movie so there are a lot of scenes that are shot with the long panning, the mm-hmm. long pauses, and what's missing is the the rhythm that Kubrick would do in the in the uh, editing room. Mm-hmm. There was something that he did, and you, you when you watch it, you'll notice like some of the Kubrick would always let things linger a little longer to the, almost to the point of he uncomfortable. Would keep, yeah, he would keep like a like especially long shots. Yeah, long shots is his big specialty. I mean, you remember two thousand one. There's a scene where he, he just literally just focus on the hallway. Yeah, you know, it, it's like that, to the point that, where you're like, man, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's move on with the movie. Yeah, that's this like, one okay. thing that Spielberg doesn't have that in him. He Spielberg got uncomfortable and just and just cut it off. So that's why it's a it's a it's a mixture. Like when you do it's see not, Spielberg, yeah. when you do see Spielberg slash Kubrick. Now it is funny is most people don't realize you know, Spielberg really envied looked up to Kubrick as a you know as he he always wanted to be able to do those artsy stuff that that Kubrick did. But just couldn't do it. And Kubrick was the other way. Kubrick really did envy Spielberg and being mm-hmm. able to do what he did in his style and his not it's kind of his commercialism. So that's where that's why when you know Kubrick was getting up in age and knew he wasn't going to be able to do it, he turned it over to Spielberg because he wanted him to do this and add that flair to it. Yeah, but you could see, like you said, you, there's a lot of Kubrick in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to mix in with Spielberg, but it's, it's a little difficult to do. But yeah, because you you're not again. There, you're shots. not. You're not. He's not there to to do. Yeah, this, he's so. not there. I mean, you can tell. Like I said, like 2001, Clockwork Orange. Watch those movies. Those are. I mean, those are Kubrick's classics. I mean, he's got a couple. I think he did The Shining as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So watch those three. To me, those are the. The cream of the crop. Don't yeah, watch they are. Yeah, definitely. Stuff. Yeah, are, that's garbage. So, that's we, so we pick up with uh, in Ma- in Madison, New Jersey. A, uh, in, in yeah, I, Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Now, again, I thought all coastal areas got wiped out. I figured Jersey would have been the first one on the map, but no. Hey. So is, is Madison uh, in in uh, towards the uh, coast? No, Madison is uh, that's South Jersey. South Jersey, but is it's coastal? It is. Uh, it's like a it's, it's like a town over from the coast, and that somehow did not get wiped out. I am disappointed in you, Mother Earth. I mean, um, <laughs> so we meet up with uh, – and uh, we go to Madison, New Jersey. David, a prototype mech child capable of experiencing love, is given to Henry Swinton and his wife, Monica, who we see early on. Uh, their son, Martin, is, has contracted some rare disease. We don't know what it is, and he's in basic suspended animation. It's very strange that he's in like this – lever thing the bed drops down when they come to visit it's very <laughs> it was and it was more kids in there too by the yeah way. there was a lot of yeah, kids in there yeah and uh but we do see that the creator uh of uh david who uh was played by william hurt we, he's talking about how you know we, he wants you know there's all sorts of mechs out there for love you know or for you know your sex droids and house ones he's like but there's never been any that could love and so he says that he's created a way in a program that you know he could imprint love Onto the child robot to whoever the mother or the father. Mm-hmm. So we find out about the imprinting protocol, and uh, so we, you know, uh, 
the um, the husband Henry you know warns his wife, hey, listen, don't do this unless you're sure. And she, at the beginning, we have a lot of creepy moments of him just like wandering around, or her trying to do housework, and him just like wandering around, following her, like, hey, what's up? What's going on? Just frightening. I mean, literally, you could have made this a horror movie and like just, just easily taste an R. Yep. And just, he's not artificial. Like, remember those killer kid movies they had with Macaulay Culkin and uh, the good? Not, was it the Good Son? One of them. Yeah, that was the that yeah, was good one. son. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, very like you literally could just turn the switch really fast and he like his mannerisms in that movie like just very uncomfortable like this. Hi, mommy. Like okay. <laughs> we uh, so so finally, eventually, in, in the most creepiest scene of all, the mother somehow becomes feels a t- connection to the child again uh, because for some one night at dinner they're all sitting there he can't eat because it'll oh you know, he's a robot can't eat and he they're all sitting there and the kid just starts laughing randomly David the robot you know starts just randomly laughing and then the family starts laughing like almost like like un, you know uncontrollable nervous laughter at first yeah I was like okay and then that <laughs> somehow triggers the mother's emotions to to be connected to the child so it was, it was very uh very strange how uh, that that happened and then she imprints herself onto the child and, and it's funny when you if you listen to how he reacts to the father he still calls him by his name bob whatever but, yeah he still calls yeah. him by his by his name but he you know refers to the you know the uh what, what was her name uh martha was it Martha? No, not another Martha. Was it another Martha? Martha. <laughs> sorry, I know it started with an M. Monica. Sorry, <laughs> Martha. Uh, but yeah, so you know, so she imprint she imprints on him, uh, and then she realizes he's kind of getting a little lonely. So she re- she introduces him to probably the best character in this whole movie, Teddy. 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 Um, who is basically a super toy, and uh, he's. He's an, he's a robot. He's like almost like David, just stuck in a teddy bear's body, with the best voice I have ever heard of for a teddy bear, uh, voiced by <laughs> voiced by Jack Angel. Uh, he is known for doing voice for uh, Hanna Barbera on the Super Friends, Transformers, and GI Joe, uh, numerous DreamWorks projects, Disney, he's Pixar. He's done quite a bit of work um, for you. He was uh, Nick Fury for in the uh, Adventures of Spider-Man, the animated series. He was um, the Liquidator oh, on Dark. Was, that, that was Jack Angel. Okay. Yeah, he was a Liquidator for Darkwing Duck. Uh, for on Transformers the movie, he, he in the fourth season he was uh, he voiced uh, Ultra Magnus, uh, who was played by Robert Stack. But during the season, he played uh, the dad. He did also uh, Cyclonus. Uh, Astro Train, Ramjet. So, I mean, he's been around the the animation block, but a very interesting voice to be. <laughs> to Especially use. with the teddy bear, man. Like, yeah, was, you, uh, you, you had like an idea of what a, a teddy bear is going to sound like. It's going to be hi, David. No, he's like hello, David. Like, yeah, it was very, very <laughs> creepy, very, very Hannibal Lecter in the in his you know his 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 um his approach uh, his to it. <laughs> It was great to to hear it. I was like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" Uh, and so, uh, so you know, David and Teddy become friends. Uh, hopefully, I don't think this is where uh, Ted came from uh, for the uh, for the movie. Uh, <laughs> that's his. This is his older brother. Maybe this. this like, yeah, maybe fine. that's. Maybe this is Ted later on, like years years into the future. Yeah, he becomes like a sentient type being instead of like being drug addict, alcoholic, raging maniac. <laughs> he starts to stop. This is when he stops smoking. He's all he's he's now in rehab now from all the drinking and the and the drugs. 
So now that's why he's so uh, so low keyed. Well, Martin, their son, unexpectedly, there was a cure just out of the blue. Hey, we got a cure for him now. But, you know, moments beforehand, we were told he will not. This is just you know un- uncurable. Let try to get the mother to be you know move on past it. Um, so as uh, as, as Martin com- comes back, uh, Martin becomes jealous of David, and I mean becomes a, a douche of of the most magnitude I could ever say. I mean. Just horrible, horrible kid. Oh man, I wanted to kill him myself. Yeah, I was just like, man, this kid is. Just, but he he taunts him, gets him to do, a hor- you know, hor- horrible acts. Uh, gets him to go cut his mother's locks of hair while she's sleeping. Uh, I mean, just just horrible things to where they start distrusting David and thinking, okay, something is broken in him. Uh, during uh, a pool party for, I think it's Martin. One of, uh, I think it's for Martin's birthday. Which mm-hmm. to me that that threw me off. He's been in a coma for five years. How are all of his friends still the same age? <laughs> Were they in crypto tanks? Too? Were they all like, oh, okay, well, David's going to go in. Well, let's make sure he's got some friends when he comes. It was very strange. Like that, the timing of the movie to set up, like, hey, this is how long this this scene went to this scene, and so on and so forth, was so bad. Bad. I just I wasn't sure the time frame it was taking to do these things. Hmm. Um, and that was my one like thing. Like, where did all these kids come from? Did, like, Maybe they, they were in the cryo chamber as well. Like, were they, they were these the cryo <laughs> kids? I mean, did they like make a gang? Uh, you know, when they came out, it was, <laughs> is, 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 was this was this for uh, like the demolition man? <laughs> was this Phoenix? You know, was this Phoenix's gang when he comes out of the cryo tube <laughs> as a teenager? He's the prequel to Demolition yeah. Man. That's what it is. You're gonna see like a little kid running around blonde hair. Hello, guys. Simon Phoenix. I mean, just it was just weird. I don't know. I just kind of that just one of those moments. There were too many of those moments that made me pause in the movie to take me out of it. Was just like, how? Wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Uh, so, uh, so, but at the pool party, the kids start you know picking on him, and uh, David grabs Martin to try because he feels like he's his brother. Protect him, protect him, and he was holding on to him. Protect, please protect me, please protect me. Well, in all the scuffle, they fall into the water together. Well. David doesn't understand. He's not having trouble breathing. He's still latched on to, to Martin, and well, Martin begins to drown. And uh, so, but that convinces Henry and uh, Monica to return David to the creators, who we understand kind of in the backwards way that he's going to be destroyed. They said he, I thought he just said reprogram, but no, apparently no. They yeah. said it was destru- destruction. Yeah, just yeah, destruction. Like- but on the way on the way there, Monica ch- has a, changes her heart, spares David from destruction by leaving him in, in the woods with a bunch of money and with Teddy as a companion. Good job. Yeah. Uh, during this time, David recalls uh, the Adventures of Pinocchio, which was being read to him, um, and he decides to find the Blue Fairy, who I think, by all you know, all considering here, that is well, probably one of your favorite characters of all time. Uh, uh, now. As far as the novel goes, the short story, this is where it ends. Just to give you an idea of what was added into the movie because that's what I had to find out is what did the movie do. This is where pretty much the movie ends. Well, they leave him in the Or, or the book. I mean the short story. This is where – yeah, this is where it ends. They want to get rid of him. They want to return him, but she gets a heart. End of story. That's the end of it. You know, that, there, there it goes. Everything here on out, this was added by Kubrick, uh, the screenwriter. Um, I'm trying to remember. Let me see. I remember the screenwriter that was on this was somebody that had done some prior work. Uh, the screen, oh, this, no, it wasn't prior work, but it's just, this was Spielberg's first screenplay since, I want to say, Poltergeist. 
to give you an idea. I'm not saying you're going to lose your gift or your skills, you know, but yeah, you do kind of lose. If you don't keep using it, you do lose a little bit of of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think you know it was definitely something that you know that we we were missing uh, after this because uh, you know. you know, we we definitely see a major change because this is where I get off the rails <laughs> at this point. Uh, oh, yeah. A little bit after this, as I'm watching, I text Kane. I'm like, "Hey, dude, uh, <laughs> what um, what, what what made you want to do this movie?" I'm being all honest, trying to be like, I don't want to like if he if he loves this movie, I'm trying not to bust his balls over the phone. I was going to save it for here. Uh, and then he tell me, "Yeah, I just I thought it'd be a fun movie. I thought it was pretty good." And you know, I was like, "Okay," and then. So uh, we see David and uh, Teddy are captured by a flesh fair, uh, basically a giant moon-like balloon being traveled around uh, with uh, – who was the gentleman on the – oh, God. Oh, man. I know you're talking about. He's been in tons of stuff. Uh, flesh fair. Oh, there he is. Uh, Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, he's been, yeah, he's been in tons. I, I, think, I know he was in Harry Potter. Uh, I think he was Mad Eye Moody, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. He was Kingdom of Hearts. He's done voices in Kingdom of Hearts. Uh, but yeah, he's been been in tons of stuff. I actually played Winston Churchill uh, in the film Into the Storm. If anybody's ever seen that, which was I think he was in one of the Mission Impossible movies as well. Like most likely, let me see. I've got his cast uh, up here right now, and uh, yeah, you're right, Mission Impossible too. Yeah, he was in the second one. So, and I might be I might be wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he was Mad Eye Moody. Okay, I was right on that. So you got it. That was good. That was good. Points for Mike. Yeah. Thank you for being a Harry Potter nerd, Mike. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he is picked up. uh, You know, they are picked up. But in the meantime, uh, the way this plot's greeting, it kind of jumped over a little section. But in the meantime, as David's getting dropped off, we are now introduced to a male sex robot, uh, Gigolo Joe, who's played by Jude Law. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, and it's uh, in basic, and it's kind of funny. The name was there from the beginning in the screenplay. Kubrick wanted David to run into what he described, and this is from from Kubrick's writing, a GI Joe type character. And I'm assuming he means the PSA teaching you a lesson, because I don't know why else you would want to meet a GI Joe character other than you know fighting Cobra. <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> But that was the one of the things that that's why the where the name came from, Gigolo Joe, was he was supposed mm. to be kind of a GI Joe s character to teach him the right you know give him the right path and show him the right way. So that so yeah, we are introduced to that and we find out that Joe got set up by somebody I believe I don't know if it was it the hotel manager or his or or the the, the husband of one of the girls that he was banging or, no, or it was what? never really mentioned. I, I guess you could assume it was the hotel manager by the way. Well, he was the dad at. or the husband. I mean, the, 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 the husband of the one girl where you know he walks in and the girl's you know dead. Dead. Yeah. The husband's there. You know, like hey, you know, I I told you I'd get you. And I, so I'm assuming that's him. I don't, but I don't know why he was set up other than just. Some dude jealous is you know woman's you know I, I don't know it was very strange yeah it was yeah <laughs> I didn't understand that scene like what yeah, and then he changed his hair I'll give Jude Law credit man he was he was really good in the role very for good what yeah it, for what it was I mean it takes like and not, it's not even the his acting I'm talking about like his facials his his um I guess his body language in the movie as well very just like you know. Well, it did say it said Jude, Jude, uh, Jude Law did study mime and peacock movements during to to get prepared for this because he wanted to be like you were saying it, it was just his movements, yeah. And that's like, what yeah that's where he he concentrated it on. Well, he's a sex robot, so he's got to be flexible. Yeah, 
So yeah, he yeah he he did uh, he he worked with a, a choreographer uh, Francisca Janes for months to create a specific like movement using like Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly movements. It was very much like that, very yeah. smooth, and his way, especially the way he moves and talks. There's a scene in the movie you'll get to it later where they go to the what is it Chai Chai um, Burlesque Town S Town something like that. Yeah, and you see him walking by one of the clubs, and it's like a uh, it looks like a Fred Astaire because the guy basically yeah. Just, yeah, and he's kind of like doing the, the movements with the cane and the hat, and then he does like he mimics the whole things like on point too. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's pretty good. Like, okay, shit. So, so then, uh, so yeah, so basically, they get picked up by this flesh fair uh, where uh, obsolete mechs are destroyed by performing che- uh, to cheering crowds. This is where Spielberg steps up, and we see the ma- we see his A game. The special effects here were amazing. Uh, some something that most people don't realize. A lot of those robots were played by humans that were amputees. So these, you know, they they were, you know, so the one that you know, the one that had like a missing leg and arm, that wasn't that was a real man. You know, that his arm was gone. They just digitally, you know, put it on there. I thought that was very cool when I read that. I was like, oh, that's that's really awesome. That yes, unfortunately, they they have gone through this trauma, whether you know through being you know you know a vet you know from war or you know an accident of some sort. Uh, you know, they they're able to still find some work and be able to do this. Yeah, you know, that. Mm. So I thought it was really cool that they brought him in to do that. Uh, David is nearly destroyed himself and pleads for his life. There's a moment where you know Teddy. I love that the Teddy tries to get away from everybody. <laughs> Teddy Teddy follows him the whole way there, wandering around, mumbling to himself like a, dr- a old drunken man. Uh, where's yes, David? David where's David? David? Yeah, and that he, was weird. But there was David. Where's David? Like, yeah, he keeps he's that? getting carried by somebody, and he every time he passes somebody, he's like, "Hey, have you seen David? Hey, have you seen David?" <laughs> and then he gets chucked into the uh, into the lost and found. But eventually, uh, in the meantime, that all these people are around. A young girl finds Teddy, and Teddy brings her to David, and there, and then she realizes, you know, everybody's freaking out because nobody's ever seen a child robot. There's they're not like they're made in mass production. There, he's one of a kind, and that's you know he always tells himself and believes that I am one of a kind. Yeah, and uh, frightening later yeah. on, where he, he does that. That's, yeah, and and in the in the, uh, the daughter and the girl's father, you know, scans and says, "Okay, we can't destroy him." But the um, the flesh fair operator, you know, he's like, "No, he's mine. I'm going to, you know, we're going to use him." Uh, and you know, he's still one. He's still a robot. There's a very anti-robot. You can definitely tell. A lot of a lot of hints to you know the outside world, you know, with with um, with with racism and, and and segregation and all that. You can see that this is basically the human race going. You know, we're going to be anti-robot, even though they're able to help people and do and help the world a lot better. We're going to be anti-robot on this, and and they're yeah. just just destroying them to just destroy them, just for kicks, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's kind of frightening when you see that. Like you know, it's. Kind of like the, the vision sometimes it goes on the world nowadays with like different segregations. And that's sort of the first thing I thought about, like, wow, OK, there's just, just anti-hatred. But on the other hand, you know, they're useful. So it's yeah. just like just a small part that you find out. Yeah. So uh, so the crowd is is deceived by David's realistic nature and, and uh, revolts, basically turns on the flesh fair. And uh, David escapes along with Gigolo Joe and Teddy in tow, which is awesome. Uh, then uh, a male prostitute maker on the run from the authorities after being uh, charged with the murder, uh, David. Okay, they're talking. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Teddy and Joe go to the uh, decadent re- resort town of Rogue City, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. Where we run into Doctor No, a holographic answer engine 
basically he Dr. No is Google for this time frame. Uh the uh and basically Dr. No we made a reference to a movie uh Bicentennial Man. Dr. No is voiced by Robin Williams himself. Yeah. Uh, so in Dr. No, he they run through a series of questions to find out where the blue fairy is. And Dr. No sends them off to the top of Rockefeller Center in the flooded ruins of Manhattan. Uh, of course, you know, we're typical, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic. We're going to see destroyed New York. <laughs> it's just a given. You're it going looked to- really good, though. It looked really cool. Yeah. Like, it was like literally Manhattan became an island again. I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, well, it, Manhattan wasn't the island. The, the uh, skyscrapers were now the island. Yeah, I was like, okay. Uh, so, um, so that the, you know, we see the flooded Manhattan and has also provided uh, fairy tale information uh, interpreted by David as suggesting that the blue fairy has the power to help him. Uh, above the ruins of Manhattan, David meets Professor Hobby, uh, his creator, which at this point, but through the movie, we've seen so many. I understand you're going to do a movie. And you're going to basically make it Pinocchio. That's really what this story is. It yeah, is Pinocchio. It's, it's, it's a modern take on Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. And, but the problem is, is they flaunt that they're ripping off Pinocchio. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so it's so blatant because they make so many Pinocchio references throughout the movie that I'm like, okay, it's, it's literally the whole movie. I mean, come on, the Blue Fairy. Yeah. That that that's just a big one. Right it there. just yeah, it, that that was probably one of my biggest irks. Uh, I think that's when I started really getting frustrated with the movie. I'm like, why not just make Pinocchio? Don't 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 take this great short story, the science fiction short story that had nothing to do with Pinocchio, by the way. They had no no hints of it, and then you take that movie, then you're going to merge it with Pinocchio. It just seemed that's this is when I kind of get frustrated about like really lazy writing about it. Um, that it just it just that just blew me off the <laughs> off the rails when I was like, yeah, come on, guys, this is just no, this isn't right. Yeah, just too many Pinocchio isms in this movie. You could have just, I mean, the, just I don't know. We'll get there. <laughs> a, a little hint here and there, maybe a little flavor, but this is just just screaming Pinocchio. Straight uh, up. Yeah, so Professor Hobby is the creator of David who tells him that their meeting uh, demonstrates that David has the ability to love and desire. David finds many copies of himself and begins to lose his shit. <laughs> No, he lost his shit before they got in there when he killed the other version of himself. That well, that was, was the like, first one. Yeah, that was the, yeah, first, was the first one. And then, one, yeah, yeah that, that's when he starts seeing like one copy. And then he, then he sees a room of Davids and Darlene's. There, so there are female and male versions of him, basically. Uh, so we, um, and they, you know, they're boxed and ready to go. Disheartened with his uh, loss of sense and individuality, David attempts to commit suicide. By falling from the skyscraper into the ocean. While underwater, David catches sight of a figure resembling what? The blue fairy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, so uh, Joe rescues him in a, in the ocean. While underwater, David catches sight of a – oh, yeah, I already did that. So he rescues him from this amphibious aircraft that they stole from the police. Uh, before Dave, before David can explain, Joe is captured vi- via electromagnetic by authorities. This is what this one threw me off too. Where, where did they come from? They just out of the blue, like followed them this whole way there. I don't know. I, I was I wanted to say that maybe he, there's a tracker on David, but maybe, that's I, probably a stretch. But again, you want you want to see like though. a tracker activated. To, I, th- there was just way too many leaps happening in this movie to make sense, and it's it's long enough. There's a lot of crap you could have cut out to at least like show oh, like some interweaving threads. We're getting to the crap. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> we'll get, 
We'll get there. So, uh, so David and Teddy take uh, control of the aircraft to see the ferry, which uh, turns out to be the statue from the attraction on Coney Island. Uh, The two uh, become entrapped when the Wonder Wheel falls on the vehicle, and uh, and basically believing the Blue Fairy to be real, David just sits there repeatedly for two millennia, asking the Blue Fairy to make him a real boy. That's when the movie should have ended. Yes, it should have <laughs> ended should have right ended there. There. Yep. Uh, so, uh, so then it continues, folks. <laughs> yes. Uh, Two thousand years later, humans are extinct. Manhattan is buried under a glacier of ice. The Mecca have uh, evolved into an advanced form called specialists. Missed this completely, by the way, folks. Did you catch it? No, I didn't. I don't know if it was I- during the exposition of the guy talking. I don't know if I got, but I just was that Teddy talking. In the I think it was Teddy. I don't know. They didn't. I wasn't sure who the narrator was. They again another thing they didn't explain to me unless I missed it because you hear the voice again later on with those weird. I don't know, sentient alien. Well, that's creatures. it. This is where we're at. We're at that yeah. moment where he's discussing that the 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 uh, the mechas have evolved into advanced uh, forms called specialists. Again, I'd never heard this. Didn't know what it was, and they have become interested in learning about humanity. So apparently, these alien creatures weren't aliens; they, they were, were evolved mechs. So, and and they uh, and they find and revive David and Teddy, which explains how they're able to do this. Now, that is another thing that I explained. I was like, these aliens come to Earth and they find this thing and they know exactly how to fix them. Instant, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and he's up and running. Uh, so uh, David walks to the frozen blue fairy statue, which collapses when he touches it because, well, things underwater don't erode over 2,000 years. No, they stay the way they are. Uh, that, that Again, another thing that bothered me uh, because if this was Coney Island and we don't know how long the world was underwater, that that New York should have been like eroded by then. Sorry. Yeah, it's strange. It I understand it's – yeah. I understand science fiction, but come on, guys. This is – Yeah, you said 2,000 years later. And like well, that was 2,000 years. That was 2,000 years from when he went in the water. I'm talking what happened pre from now till then. Since we are post-apocalyptic, how many years did the, the this apocalypse and then get rebuilt up happen? They, Again, they, yeah, they were they were working on it. Trust me, too many <laughs> holes, too many holes. So, uh, oh, which boy. collapses. Um, the specialists reconstruct the Swinton home from David's memories and explain to him via an interactive image of the Blue Fairy that it is impossible to make David a real boy. However, what? what? No, I was going to say the special effects in the Blue Fairy look really good too. Yeah, okay. I like that. I, that, that was like. You know, I didn't like the blue fairy character, but I, I did like the way they, her, you know, just strange, seemed like almost like a living doll moving up and forth like this. David, hello, David. Everybody has that monotone voice in this entire movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, everybody just has this. It's it's, it's very like, it's very two thousand one, very Kubrick. I mean, yeah. if you really look at it, it's 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 David. And again, sorry, David, I can't let you in. <laughs> I mean, it's really. <laughs> Uh, so then we uh, we come uh, through David's memories, and uh, however, at David's insistence that they recreate Monica through a genetic material from the strand of hair that Teddy kept. Somehow, Teddy kept a piece of her hair. Uh, this Monica can live for only one day, and the process cannot be repeated. David uh, spends his happiest day with Monica and falls asleep in the evening. She tells David that she has always loved him. The everlasting moment had to uh, he had been wait, wanting or waiting for. 
The narrator says David falls asleep as well and goes to a place where dreams are born. And that is the end. And we all we see is Teddy sitting on the bed with them and everything going dark. So that is the worst Spielberg movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Sorry, guys. If anybody's a Spielberg fan or anybody's a fan of this movie, I am sorry. There were too many plot holes, too many time jumps. It, it, to see and see two of the greatest director's names on this movie just disgusts it, me. Yeah. It's like I said, the movie should have ended right in the end when he the found mo- the Blue Fairy. Yeah. That should have yeah, well, ended. Yeah. There, there's some moments where it's just little. David being like the way he acted, just like very sentient, I guess is the word. Very just like this. I was kind of cool, but everybody else, you don't need to act like that. Yeah. It's like he the he act like that. He's the android, not everybody else. But everybody had like the same sort of acting tone. David, guess what? I'm very happy now. You've achieved emotion. Like, why is everybody acting the same way? Like, the only guy who was like a different actor was a dad, and the dad was a douche. So, uh, well, the kid, the, the the real son, yeah. You know, the the son and the and the father too. Like at first, the father was all on board. I'm like, yeah, you know, you want to get him, and then he like he did a heel turn, like in the middle, like, no, he sucks. Get rid of him. Like, wait a minute, you brought him in. This is, is kind of your fault. Oh, this the whole thing is, like I said, special effects are great. Love them, but. After the blue fairies found underwater, and I can tell you what happened. So, yeah. uh, for the last seven minutes of this movie, composer John Williams wrote a piano concerto. It was meant, it was uh, it went over the length of the movie. But director Spiel- Spielberg, uh, Steven Spielberg, stopped the projector while they were working on it and told Williams to just let the music continue. Spielberg, along with the editor of Michael Kahn, then re-edited the last seven minutes to, of the movie into Williams' piano concerto. Oh wow! Spielberg did the same uh, similar thing like 19 years ago when, uh, with ET, where he and uh, the uh, the editor then uh, the last 15 minutes they extended it out for that. So the time you're talking about that lengthy time, you can blame John Williams for that for writing the piano concerto, and Spielberg loving it so much that he wanted people to hear it, but he wanted people to see it as well. Uh, so that's a yeah, that's a, the main reason for the extended. I believe it should have ended. I, I think they should have taken more time in the beginning and let that story. And like you said, go with the horror route or suspenseful route of is David going that way or is the kid, the, the son, going that way? You know, going you dark into the dark side. Yeah, you could have had like a just like this weird type of like two-sided coin thing like it'd be like the beginning is like you think david is the bad guy but it's actually the real son and the real son is he wants the love of his family so bad that he's willing to do anything to get it and you know you could see him like murdering people i don't know you there's a lot of stuff you could throw in there and like you could have teddy being the cat and aliens just like looking in the background like oh my god what's he doing like there's just a weird thing you could do with the movie and make it a like a little switch it's a horror movie it's right there. Everything is just literally oh, yeah. right there. And it's—I mean, it's great. They had some great actors in here. Uh, the voice of the specialist at the end—that was Ben Ben Kingsley. Yeah, uh, the it. the Blue Fairy, Meryl Streep. Uh, Chris Rock was the comedian, ro- the robot. Oh yeah, you knew that was. Chris yeah, that you knew that. Uh, the band that was at the uh, Flesh Fair Ministry. I mean, gr- a lot of great bands or great you know actors on here. Just very strange movie, and it's not strange in a good way. I like strange movies. I like ones that make you think. I'm a big, big um, uh, Mulholland Drive fan, all right? Lost Highways, a huge fan of Lost Highways. 
this doesn't make you think. This well, this makes you think of what what, what happened. Well, what, why are we going this way? Why why mm-hmm. is this happening? Uh, why are we really literally ripping off Pinocchio? I, I can't believe they got away with this without Disney suing them. Unbelievable! <laughs> like, it, it's, it's so it's so blatant. It's ridiculous. It's right there. Blue for, they, they didn't even try to hide it. No. No, it no, was not at yeah. all. Gepe- Ge- Geppetto, yeah, Geppetto was Geppetto was hobby, and that's I mean that, that was all it was. And he in hobby in the 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 flesh fair was the carnival that he went to went to go get it. The 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 belly of the beast, the the whale was him getting trapped underwater. I mean, it was all Pinocchio. There, if you look at it and look at the the, the signals, uh, the the um. The flesh fair, uh, the uh, yeah, the flesh fair uh, commander, the, the the guy that you know, you know, controlled the balloon. That was the the the, the main gypsy, that you know, that, that kidnapped Pinocchio. It was all Pinocchio. It just, it just really bothered me, and I was not a fan of it. And I, it was one of those movies that always kind of stuck there for me. Like, hey, this is a really good movie. I you know, I really need to see it. One, and I was very, very disappointed. At first, I liked it. But, you know, after seeing it a second time when I saw it last night when I was telling you about it, I'm like, what did I really see in this movie that I actually liked and I actually wanted to do a review? Because watching it again, I'm like, kind of pretentious a little bit, preachy. I mean, the Blue Fairy, Pinocchio. I mean, what is the name of that place where they made all those androids? That's basically uh, Geppetto's workshop. Yeah. That's like, literally, that's, yeah. It's, it's right there. Yeah, it's all there. It's, yeah. Uh, oh. According according to Rotten Tomato, and this is after based off of 194 reviews, this has gotten a 74 percent of critics uh, gave the film positive, uh, and um, so basically a score of 6.62 out of 10. Yeah, of, of course, the critics would yeah. love this movie. It's more there like that's the old fartsy freaking movie critics. Like, oh yeah, I love the atmosphere and the long draws, you know, the shots down the hallway, and like, okay, man. Yeah, I'm not again. Yeah, I think this is just a really bad. Was very poorly written. Uh, too many holes in it. I, I was very disappointed. Uh, I, I did, like I said, have, have Spielberg and Kubrick's name on it. Um, I was really disappointed. I feel if you're going to watch any robot to human movie, to me, it's by it's by Centennial Man. There's more heart and warmth to that than I felt here. I not once did I feel an emotion. I, I felt a connection between the mother and the. And David was like cardboard at best. It's yeah, it's yeah. Very stiff. And that whole scene at the end where they're like together, real it's creepy, real creepy. <laughs> yeah, I was where, like, he, where he's like, you like watch her sleep, like whoa. Yeah, I was like well, what's what's happening here? They what's should have given Teddy more to do. It's almost like Teddy's a very underrated actor in this entire movie. Like Teddy to me is the hero. Like he should have been like it should have been Teddy narrating. I mean, I don't even know if Teddy was narrating. It sounds Again, like I it. just looked at the cast list. I didn't see narrator. Nobody showed up for as you know getting casting for narrating. So uh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah. But uh, and yeah, it's just uh, so there we go. I'm I'm really just I'm giving it a, a, a straight jacket. Just it's going to be untied and it can kind of do what it wants. It's it's not really a big a big rating. <laughs> I'll it's, give it a half a straight jacket because yeah. it's it's not as good as I thought it was. And no. I, and I apologize for making you watch oh, it. Oh, don't worry. Your turn will come. Your time <laughs> will come. All right, guys. Well, that is for the ham review. That's right. Here's Asylum Midnight movie review. I am Captain Mike. That is Kane. We uh, will see you guys later. Make sure you do check us out on the regular Heroes Asylum Midnight movies where uh, we'll be doing Logan 
So Logan should be out before this. And then, of course, always check out our regular show, Heroes Asylum. We do it live on Sunday. Or you can really catch it on any podcast network on uh, Mondays. What do you got? Check us out on Twitter at the Heroes Asylum underscore podcast and Instagram at the Heroes Asylum. And always check out Ham having some good stuff. First one of 2021. Logan, check it out. And as always, from Mike to me to you to everybody else, get to the asylum. This has been a Heroes Asylum production.